from deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I, can't, I can't help myself. I can't help myself, actually. I, I'm driven. I, and, and not by a uh, limo. I'm driven to watch the uh, Sunday morning yak shows on American television and not just American television. Um, just to get a sense of exactly how serious or lack of um, the journalistic profession is uh, taking whatever's going on at the moment. Uh, and I have good news to report, actually. No kidding. Re- actually, good news. Um, I, I have been noticing and um, I guess you could say complaining, certainly noticing with some acerbidity that um, American media have been repeating the reported intelligence details being made public by the United States government regarding the situation in uh, Ukraine. And, um, you know, given the fact that there's a certain little history here of so-called intelligence reports being, oh, mistaken, oops, uh, with regard to the success or lack thereof of the, of the Afghanistan war, with the casus belli of the Iraq war and the Vietnam war, that maybe, you know, total credulity is not really the required or the appropriate journalistic response to the current wave of intel reports. And sure enough, this morning, this Sunday morning, one of the uh, Sunday Yak shows had uh, its moderator ask Secretary of State Blinken if we really should believe the intel reports. Now, what would what would account for the sudden change? Here's my guess. Last Wednesday, the 16th of February, was the day specified by President Biden based on intelligence reports for the start of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And as far as I can tell, we went through the entire Wednesday, February 16th, without a sign of invasion. Maybe maybe that was a signal to somebody at some show. Gee, we should um, we should poke into this just a, just a, just a little bit. I mean, I realized by this point, asking for skepticism from the journalistic community on an issue of such import is uh, probably evidence of a certain distance from reality. But curiosity is the next best thing. Hello, welcome to the show.
Well, I, I disagree with the Beatles. I do mind when it rain comes. It uh, sort of spoiled one week here and uh, one one night here in uh, New Orleans, and it's carnival time, and we can't spare any. Hey, f- speaking of from New Orleans, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersol the third. Well, you probably saw some of this. The uh, collapse of teenage figure skater Camila Valieva's performance after being allowed to uh, compete despite a positive drug test. Well, this week, IOC President Thomas Bach criticized her entourage for the way they treated her after she crashed out of metal places at the Beijing Olympics. Quote, when I afterwards saw how she was received by her closest entourage with such what appeared to be a tremendous coldness, it was chilling to see this. Bach said it was chilling to see coldness. Rather than giving her comfort, rather than to try to help her, you could feel this chilling atmosphere, this distance, he added. She broke down in tears after stumbling several times in her final performance. He said the IOC would look into the rules applying to minors at competitions. Well, that would be about 80 decades too late, wouldn't it? Uh, as she came off the ice, Valieva's coach, Eteri Tutberige, was seen on camera telling the visibly upset teen, Why did you let it go? Why did you stop fighting? As the judges read out the score, she sat crying, sandwiched between Tuberigi and her other coach. All of this does not give me much confidence in Camilla's closest entourage, said the IOC president. She was allowed to skate, despite the uh, drug test result, because her age, 15, gives her extra rights as a protected person in a doping case. And I'll set aside a couple of hours after the show for you to explain that to me. Also, another source of controversy at the Games. A Games official dismissed claims of human rights violations against the Uyghur Muslim population as lies. That is a Beijing Games spokesperson, Yan Xiaorong. (laughs) He sure is. Yan made her comments at a daily media briefing. This week, even though the IOC has said repeatedly the game should be free from politics, she spoke after another IOC spokesman. Oh no, she's not an IOC spokesman. She's a Beijing game spokesman. An IOC spokesman was asked in a news conference about Taiwan's presence at uh, tonight's closing ceremony. Later, she intervened when a reporter directed a question to the IOC about material from China's Xinjiang region being used in clothing worn by the athletes. The so-called forced labor in Xinjiang lies made up by deliberate groups, Yan said. Human rights groups have accused some textile companies who source materials from Xinjiang of ignoring abuses of the Uyghur population in the region. China denies all accusations of abuse and has repeatedly denied allegations it runs a network of forced labor camps in the province. 
The U.S. has accused China of genocide in its repression of the Uyghurs and allegation China has also strongly and repeatedly denied. And sir, the China, the uh, Russia Olympic doping case helps China keep the uh, other stuff less covered because it's a movement and we all need one every day. I, I, I get chills when I see coldness too. I don't, I don't wanna poke a, an accus, a, accusatory finger at the uh, president of the International Olympic Committee. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, some news of the smart world that we all live in. In case you're still not sure about Elon Musk, and, you know, I speak only as an owner of a Tesla. An old one, you know, from the glory days. Um, This story might be useful to you. There's been a wave of recalls of Tesla, of late model Tesla automobiles in the last little while. Now, this week, they're recalling over 500,000 due to the boombox features. It's a 2020 update that allows drivers to play sounds outside the vehicle. Sounds like a bleating goat or a fart noise. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said the boombox feature may hinder pedestrians' ability to hear a mandatory warning sound, increasing the risk of a crash. They're required in all electric and hybrid vehicles because they're quiet. You don't hear the uh, sound of the engine going. (laughs) Yes, I'll do that for your kids later. Um, um, Elon Musk had a reaction to that ruling. He blamed the recall on the, quote, fun police, unquote. He'll be growing up any time now. This is the fourth recall for Tesla in two weeks. It's uh, going to re- release a firmware update that dis- uh, will disable the feature in drive, neutral, and reverse modes. The complaint was filed more than a year ago, had been under review as the electric car company was further demonstrating and defending the tests, according to the safety recall report. The fun police from the head of a car company that's had some crashes lately with its full self-driving feature, which, of course, is not full self-driving. But, you know, sometimes they tell the truth. Sometimes they name things correctly. The brakes still stop. Sometimes too much, but that's why they're called brakes. And now, ladies and gentlemen, sounds of the warm and news of the warm. Won't you? I think I'm going to. Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen How are you going to keep homes cool on a warming planet? I'm sure you've asked yourself that question. Well, 
It's going to require more than improving air conditioning efficiency, fitting buildings with exterior shading, green roofs, or applying solar reflective paint can also limit the heat they absorb. Expanding green spaces areas with water and wind corridors in cities could help too. In India, this is according to uh, the German news service DW, in India the Mahila Housing Trust is working with people in slum communities who can't afford ACs to help them keep their home school, focusing on low-cost measures such as painting heat-trapping corrugated tin roofs white, planting trees near homes to provide shade. Gee, why didn't I think of that? Or installing roofs made of compressed bamboo mats. They absorb less heat. Corrugated tin roofs can trap heat, sometimes resulting in indoor temperatures that are up to 5 degrees hotter than outside. 5 degrees centigrade, 9 degrees Fahrenheit. Another project in the Egyptian desert, also tackling heat through small, smart building design, the architect Sarah El Batuti, the founder of a green building firm, they've managed to reduce building temperatures by around 18 degrees Fahrenheit without mechanical solutions, working with the Egyptian government to upgrade 4,000 rural villages, home to some 58 million people, so they can better cope with extreme heat. No high-tech solutions, El Batuti says many of the green changes were inspired by local indigenous knowledge. That might help. It's been hot there for a long time. These villages have survived, says the uh, architect designer. It's because this inherent knowledge of adaptation to harsh conditions has existed for thousands of years. We see which of these solutions are viable. Well, I guess thousands of years would mean they're... And we integrate them. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. So they're using locally available materials like porous limestone and sandstone that allow air to flow through the walls. They also lift the structure slightly off the ground to prevent heat from being, being absorbed from below. They use darkened entryways. They've installed reflective roofs. And they made use of angled windows and adjustable shading to block heat while allowing light to enter. Think of that. I thought if you, you could, a deadline Washington, a, a region of cooling water in the North Atlantic, near Iceland, is nicknamed the Blue Blob. Beware of the Blue Blob. It is like no, it has likely slowed the melting of the island's glaciers. Iceland, in fact, since 2011, and may continue to stymie ice loss until about 2050. That's according to new research from the American Geophysical Union. The origin and cause of the blue blob, Tom? Yes, correct. Which is located south of Iceland and Greenland is still being investigated. The cold patch was most prominent during the winter of 2014-2015. The glory days of the blob when uh, sea surface temperature was about 2.5 degrees Fahrenheit colder than normal. The new study uses climate models, they're so pretty, and field observations to show that the cold weather patch chilled the air over Iceland sufficiently, cold water patch, to slow ice loss starting in 2011. The model predicts cooler water will persist in the North Atlantic, sparing Iceland's glaciers, until about 2050. Then 
Ocean and air temperatures are predicted to increase, leading to accelerated melting. Would they make up their minds, please? While cooler water in the North Atlantic offers a temporary respite for Iceland's glaciers, the authors of the study estimate without steps to mitigate climate change, the glaciers could lose a third of their current ice volume by 2100 and be gone by 2300. So if you want to take a tour of the glaciers, you, uh, you got a little while yet. In the end, the message is still clear, said the lead author, a climate modeler specializing in polar ice sheets and glaciers at Utrecht University. The Arctic is warming fast. If we wish to see glaciers in Iceland, then we have to curb the warning. The warming. Let the warning go on. And there was a, uh, in the age of the Great American Songbook, there was a song called Spring will be a little late this year. The um, reports from climate scientists are quite the opposite, ladies and gentlemen. Spring's going to be a little early this year and the years to come, so it seems. A drop in the total number of rainy days each year is contributing to an earlier arrival to spring for plants in northern climates. I would think it would be earlier for animals too, but who am I to say? Uh, This is according to a new study. Scientists have known that warmer temperatures due to climate change have led to the first leaves coming out at earlier dates in recent decades. This study shows that fewer rainy days plays the second largest role in this early leafage. That's according to uh, the author of the co-author of the study. Scientists have looked mainly at how temperature affects when leaves first appear, and if they considered precipitation at all, it was just the total amount. But it isn't the total amount that matters the most. It's how often it rains, says the uh, co-author of the study, which was published in the journal Nature Climate Change. Best place for it. The researchers calculated the decline in rainfall frequency will lead to spring arriving an additional one to two days earlier each decade through 2100, compared to what scientists previously thought. We should expect an even earlier spring in the future when compared to what current models tell us, says the co-author of the study. um, I think I've made my position clear. The fewer rainy days, the better. That's why I live where I live, but, you know, I'm not saying that from the standpoint of what's good for the planet. I'm just being selfish. But, you know, I have an excuse. I'm in show business. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here we come with News of the Godly. Ooh, scared myself that time. A man who spent time in a church orphanage as a child has told the Abuse in Care Inquiry down New Zealand way he was forced by two priests to sexually violate another boy. Remember the Beatles song, Another Girl? This is Another Boy. Got the Beatles on the mind today. The man identified only as Mr. A.U. I bet his real name is Silver was sent to St. Joseph's Orphanage in Christchurch in 1968 at the age of 11. It was run by the Sisters of Nazareth, don't you know, next to a school operated by the Order of St. John of God. He was taken to the orphanage by his mother and left there. 
He had been sexually abused by his stepfather. Well, that's a good start. AU said he felt the need to go to confession to talk about the abuse. That turned out to be a mistake. I thought this was an opportunity to tell, to tell someone who could be trusted and who would have listened to me and give me good advice. He said during confession, the priest kept asking for details of the sexual abuse. Uh, quote, I was asked whether I had gotten an erection during the abuse and for details about exactly what happened with masturbation and penetration. He kept asking me to describe what happened, unquote. He said he was shocked to be asked such details. Two days later, he was taken by a nun during the night into a room where there was a boy about five years old lying on a bed naked. I was forced to sodomize him in front of two priests. One was dressed in a long black robe. So far, so good. The other was naked except for wearing a face mask of a clown. Photos were being taken by the one wearing the mask. I was made to do all kinds of inappropriate things. He was told that if he did not do as he was told, he would go to hell and would never see his parents again. I was also told nobody would want me. I blamed myself for opening up in confession. He said when he went into the dining room soon after the incident, he saw the other boy and became enraged. I threw the meal in the ground and I was dragged away by the nuns and put in a cupboard until I calmed down. I was beaten over the knuckles with a bamboo. He said the incident at St. Joseph's, which was a school. No, St. Joseph's was uh, St. Joseph's was the orphanage. Sorry. He said the incident at the orphanage was like having his security blanket taken away. Whatever I had left to believe in was taken. I was not wanted at home, and I was not protected even by the God I believed in. Unquote. But that's New Zealand. Advocates for victims of sex abuse by Italian clergy launched a campaign this week to demand a cover-up inquiry, lamenting that deference showed the Catholic Church hierarchy in Italy has conditioned everything from criminal prosecutions to media coverage of the problem. That's from the British newspaper The Independent. A consortium of groups said they hoped recent national inquiries in Germany and France and planned ones in Spain and Portugal would pressure the Italian Church to open its archives to independent investigators who would like to ascertain the scope of the problem, assign responsibility to the perps, and bring restitution to the victims. But they acknowledge the context is far more complicated in Italy than in other European countries, given the outsized political, economic, and social weight the Church carries in the Pope's backyard. Pope can't talk to you right now. He's uh, digging up some plants in the backyard. The church's influences resulted in a reluctance by prosecutors to investigate clergy abuse cases, a refusal by lawmakers to back parliamentary inquiries, and disinterest by the Italian public, according to organizers of the Italy Church 2 campaign. Here there is a situation of stall, said Francesco Zanardi, an abuse survivor and founder of an advocacy group. He's spearheading the new initiative, thinks the size of the Italian church, some 55,000 priests, and a clerical culture that has long put priests on a pedestal, would likely result in case numbers that would dwarf those found during inquiries into other majority Catholic countries. Sensing a growing demand for a reckoning, though, the Italian bishops' conference has begun discussing some sort of inquiry, but the outgoing head of the conference tapped down expectations, indicating a more 
qualitative inquiry as opposed to a quantitative one. The Italian church clearly wants, this is according to Independent, as I say, the Italian church clearly wants to avoid the type of outcome seen in France where a panel of independent experts estimated that 330,000 children have been sexually abused over 70 years in the country by some 3,000 priests and church personnel. That's the, uh, that's the dong for the total. And your, your chance to uh, calculate abuse recipient per priest. The crimes have been covered up systematically by the church hierarchy. Organizers of the Italy Church 2 campaign say they doubt any inquiry undertaken by the, the Italian church would yield true numbers. So, your point? And speaking of which, the Vatican opened a three-day conference this week on rebooting the Catholic, the Catholic priesthood with uh, younger performers taking the roles of the actual priests amid a drop in vocations and a credibility crisis over the, quote, depraved, unquote, clergy sex abuse and cover-up scandal. I don't know who they're quoting as saying depraved. The conference's organizer, Cardinal Mark Wee, said the symposium's aim is to break down a clericalized concept of the priesthood that is at the root of the scandal. He denounced that priests had assumed a perverted place of power over their flock. Such a distortion has created a crisis in which sex abuses are just the visible and perverse tip of the iceberg, according to Wee. He cited abuses of power, conscience, and spiritual abuse as other depraved behaviors by priests. So that's where the depraved quote comes from. He said the hopes the conference would help chart a new equilibrium in which women in particular play a greater role in the Catholic Church. Pope Francis opened the conference, but he didn't mention the abuse scandals. He too blamed clericalism for distorting the true meaning of the priesthood. He said it's a vocation of service, not power. Yeah. Could be the power service. A, a clericalism is a distortion because it is based not on closeness to others, but distance, he said. The conference isn't really about the sex abuse scandal, but the uh, opening speech by Wee made it clear, says the Associated Press, the issue was an unavoidable backdrop to the discussions. Yeah, sex abuse is a backdrop. News of the Godly, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Thank you.
thought it might turn out this way. From New Orleans, this is Le Show. Just wondering here, um, in this uh, age of the Internet of Things, do they have Internet-connected umbrellas yet? And if so, why? As I say, just wondering. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, you probably know by now that the longtime financial firm, well, it's long 
in the Tooth financial firm anyway, but for a long time it's been handling the affairs of Donald Trump, heard of him? And uh, this week, that firm, Mazars, announced that it was severing ties with uh, self-same Donald Trump because, uh, well, they didn't say because what, but they also said at the same time that the financial statements they have prepared for Donald Trump over the last 10 years can no longer be relied upon. I know you were thinking of lending him money. You might want to give that a second think right about now. This um, this comes at a time when New York State and city officials, attorneys general and district attorneys, are um, investigating some of the financial affairs of self-same Mr. Trump. Uh, specifically, and this is, I believe, Michael Cohen, his former lawyer, either right before or right after he went to jail, testified to Congress that uh, the Trump organization had a habit of lowballing estimates of values of the properties it owned when it came to tax time and highballing them when it came to trying to get loans to keep being able to own all those properties. So that may be the issue with uh, the good people at Mazars. It's not been a good week for Donald Trump. Um, Those investigations, of course, continue. There are reports that his longtime associate Rudy Giuliani is at least toying with the idea of some sort of cooperation with the January 6th investigation being held by Congress. And um, just all overall, storm clouds over the Palm Beach area, at least the part resided in by the former guy. This week, for the first time, the threat of more investigations darken the South Florida skies. And for the former businessman turned former president, there's only one way to clean up the mess. I'm watching you. I know. Yeah, well, you look like you're scared of the paper. I'm not scared. I, I'm just kind of new at this. If I remember correctly, you ripped up way too much paper when you were a little kid. You were uh, like a puppy that could talk. Uh, That's why I thought of you for this. Look, here's how you rip up important documents. You don't want to be spending all day at this. <laughs> I sure don't. I'm late now for a meeting about the hotels. What about them? Oh, we're introducing a new feature at the North American Properties, Wet Wednesdays. What the hell is that? Cocktails and a DJ at the pool starting at 5. We don't always have that? Not the DJ. So, somebody comes to what they think is a five-star property, and the lobby is full of drunks and trunks? (laughs) Nice. I should have had Don Jr. handle the hotels, Eric. Swear to whoever. As I recall, he didn't want to. He said it was girl work. Well, in any case... He said you told him that. I didn't say girl. Mm. In any case, this right here is the most important work in the organization, Mr. Eric Loser Trump, and I've entrusted it to you. I should have my head examined, but that's the scene. So, watch. The left hand is as important as the other one. 
Now you. Look, it's easier if you do it the right way. Start the tear in the upper right corner. It's the weakest spot in any piece of paper. Really? What, I'm a physicist or something? See, I don't get why we're doing this now. They know you've got these documents here at the club. Yeah, so there was a high tide, and somebody left the boxes from the archives on the jetty. Could happen. Hey, listen, Mr. Elephant Tail, I'm doing this for your benefit. If they can see there's different ways the papers are torn, they're going to know there were other people involved besides me. They know I destroyed papers. You, they don't have a clue. Yet. So tear like you're me. I should have listened to my dad and gotten you a sex change early. And the big hurry is what? Genius. They're coming for this stuff. It's got to not be here when they're here. Like comedy or sex. It's all about timing. What about sex? Hey, am I supposed to be tearing up this? Looks like a spreadsheet. Oh, that's from that stupid accounting firm. Make another pile. You can tear them up later. And by the way, Hilton, Mm. I got a great idea for the hotels. Raise the room rates by 10%. Why would we do that? Schmuck. Inflation is the big thing now. Why should we be left out? New team. New tasks. Same mission. We're going to make removing documents great again. Now, the beach is his boardroom. This week, the Mar Apprentice. Creative destruction was never like this. I can't stand the rain against my window. Bringing back sweet memories. Yeah, when the rain, do you remember?
now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. Kanye West. Have you heard of him? He says he's taking accountability for sharing private communications with former partner Kim Kardashian. Heard of her? On his Instagram thing. He's, uh, well, he's saying something publicly because there's a new three-part Netflix documentary coming out all about him. Imagine that. He took to his verified social media account to express regret over his escalating actions involving his ex in the past few weeks, almost like a buildup to the debut of his document in the messages, yay, <coughs> yeah, Kanye, Addre- addresses his consistent use of caps in Instagram photo captions and across his social media and his decision to post private texts between himself and Kimmy on several occasions on his public account, prompting her to at one point ask why yay can't keep any of their conversations private like she does. He acknowledges sharing his communications with her was seen by many as harassment. I know sharing screenshots was jarring and came off as harassing Kim. I take accountability. I'm still learning in real time. I don't have all the answers. To be a good leader is to be a good listener, he said of his latest string of posts, which have since been removed from his Instagram. I've learned that using all caps makes people feel like I'm screaming at them. He added he's working on his communication, writing, quote, I can benefit from a team of creative professionals, organizers, mobilizers, and community leaders, unquote. The apology follows weeks of him publicly and negatively fixating on her new relationship with a guy from Saturday Night Live. A Georgetown University... (laughs) Yes, that pause was for you to imagine exactly what I was going to say next. A Georgetown University Law Center professor apologized after a video surfaced last week on Twitter showing him using a racial slur when calling on a student in class. Let's have that scene imagined now. No, you have to do it. Franzuero was asking for comments from students during his lecture on February 10th when he said, okay, so any other surprise or what about you, Mr. Chinaman? Sorry not to catch your, maybe you can remind me of your name. That is exactly what happened. It's in quotes. The slur has roots in the 19th century and was largely used to dehumanize Chinese immigrant laborers and merchants, according to NBC. Law school spokesperson shared with NBC his direct apology that he sent to his class the day after. Quote, I apologize that I used an offensive term in class yesterday. The statement I made was just after the break in class, during which I had enthusiastically noted the great diversity of languages spoken by members of the class. As a non-native speaker, English speaker myself, I did not appreciate that it was a derogatory term, as I now understand it is. I'm very sorry I used it. I'm committed to educating myself because I want all students to feel welcome in my classroom. The uh, dean of the law school issued a statement. This term is a slur. I met with student leaders and remain committed to having an open and honest dialogue about this incident. These statements are more and more sounding like hostage statements, aren't they? I just reading that into them. Yes. For years, Eric Smith's job was to put criminals in Macomb 
County, Michigan, behind bars. He touted himself as one tough prosecutor. This according to the Detroit Free Press. But federal prosecutors say he was stealing from his campaign fund at the same time. Now, the former Macomb County prosecutor is a criminal, sentenced this week to 21 months in a federal prison during hearing in U.S. District Court in Detroit City. He was apologetic before the judge as a half dozen of his relatives and supporters sat masked and socially distanced in the courtroom. He bowed his head for much of the hearing, said he had made, quote, very poor choices and very poor decisions. I did the worst thing I could and covered it up, he said. I asked friends to help me. I involved them in my mess of all the things I did wrong. That's what I feel worst about, he continued. I'm sorry for involving you. Sorry for putting you in that position. I just wanted to rent space for my campaign office. I had every intention of paying it back. Everything about it was wrong. I apologize to campaign donors, the good folks in Macomb County who put their faith in me. I let them down. At one point, Smith appeared to break down. The judge told him to take a moment. And that's where we'll leave them. The leader of Brown County Schools in Indianapolis area apologized for the confusion caused by a letter that was erroneously advising parents and students that they could opt out of lessons about Black History Month. Superintendent Emily Tracy sent out a statement this week saying the letter to Sprunica Elementary parents was unauthorized by Brown County Schools. To be clear, our district does not permit students to opt out of history lessons, including ones based on historical injustices, unquote. Tracy said in the statement to students, families, and staff, quote, We apologize for the confusion caused by the letter and offer our assurances that Brown County Schools is committed to providing an inclusive educational environment for all students and families. Ninety-four percent of the district is white. She didn't say that. The Indianapolis Star said that. All Black History Month programs will continue unabated, said the spokesperson for the school district, he said lessons related to social, emotional, emotional learning are being reviewed by uh, the superintendent before they're taught. Just a day before, uh, Tracy, the superintendent, said the district was investigating a letter from the elementary school counselor to parents regarding upcoming lessons. It garnered attention when it was shared on Twitter. In the letter... The uh, school counselor, Benjamin White, said that from February 14 to 25, he'll be going to classrooms to teach lessons about equity, caring, and understanding differences in honor of Black History Month and Valentine's Day. He doubted the importance of understanding diversity, such as improved grades, better peer relationships, and greater career success later on, but ended the letter by saying parents have the choice to opt their child out of the lessons by signing a form. The superintendent declined to say if the counselor was penalized or not due to the letter. Brown County Schools does not discuss its internal employee review process or determinations. And we'll leave them there. Two residents of a Chicago neighborhood have written letters to a federal judge apologizing for their role in the breach of the U.S. Capitol last January 6th. 
They've also discussed the reading they've done to pursue a greater understanding of the world, a greater awareness of the world and its shortcomings. The letters written by John and Amy Schubert were filed this week in U.S. District Court in Washington ahead of the couple's March 8th sentencing. Their lawyer sought probation in a pair of memos filed with the judge. The Schuberts each pleaded guilty in December to a misdemeanor count of parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. Prosecutors said they entered the Capitol through a broken window, like you do, shortly after Congress evacuated and visited the rotunda, a nearby, hall, nearby, hall, nearby hallway in a congressional meeting room. I got hung up on just imagining being in the rotunda. It made me feel all rotund. Prosecutors are expected to file their own memo recommending a actual sentence for the Schuberts. They haven't yet done so. Court records show Amy Schubert sent out messages, text messages, telling someone on the day of the breach that, quote, a woman was shot 20 feet in front of us. We're okay. Got a little into a little confrontation with Antifa, unquote. That was an apparent reference to the fatal shooting of Ashley Babbitt. She also texted someone two days later and said, I'm not sure if we should have pics on Facebook from D.C. event. I don't want to help government to be able to match up exactly how we looked, what we were wearing that day. Unquote. John Schubert wrote in his letter to the judge, he also read Henry David Thoreau's Civil Disobedience, which he said argued that it is man's duty to fight for the eradication of wrongs. He also read The Hiding Place, which he described as the true story of a Christian family that hid Jews from the Nazis. Unquote. He said he considers himself a political independent who's concerned with two parties who I believe have lost the ability to... Well, uh, he wrote about living through Vietnam and watching John F. Kennedy campaign in nearby Joliet. I wanted to engage in citizen disobedience, citizen civil disobedience. I was wrong. I was wrong for entering the Capitol, he wrote. In retrospect, seeing the shame it brought to my country, my entry into the Capitol shames me. Amy also wrote about a book. This is a plea or book review. Come on now. I want to inject dignity and kindness in my interactions with others. I want to hold myself to a higher standard. I want to make a priority to make better decisions. Amy Schubert wrote. I never want to disgrace this country again, and I'm sorry for my mistake. Yes, the apology comes at the end. I'm going to lead with it. On the other hand, the Baltimore Sun editorial board published a piece this week apologizing to the community it serves for having, in its history, quote, sharpened, preserved, and furthered the structural racism that still subjugates black Marylanders in our communities today, unquote. The board said instead of using its platforms, which the Times included both the morning and evening newspaper to question and strike down racism, the Baltimore Sun frequently employed prejudice as a tool of the times. For this, we are deeply ashamed and profoundly sorry. Our contribution to this maltreatment is a dark and disgraceful component of the son's past. While we've taken great pains to highlight the paper's righteous actions through the years, and there have been many, we have yet to shine a light on our dark corners until today. Never visited the building, so I wouldn't know. The Dutch Prime Minister, Mark Rutte, 
this week offered apologies after a major historical review that found the Netherlands used systematic and excessive violence in Indonesia's 1945-49 War of Independence. The investigation from three historical research institutes contradicts the long-held view of the Hague government that Dutch troops engaged in only sporadic violence as they sought to regain control of the colony after World War II. Study took four years to conclude, said sources showed that atrocities in then Dutch East Indies were committed in a systematic way. The use of extreme violence by the Dutch armed forces was not only widespread, but often deliberate, too. It was condoned at every level, political, military, and legal. Wow. All right, then. Oh, and a Russian Olympic Committee speed skater apologized for giving two middle fingers after crossing the finish line against Team USA. So at least we speak the same language with our fingers. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. the president of the Russian Skating Union said the skater who flipped two birds to the Americans meant no respect. Disrespect. Meant no disrespect. I think I read his mind there for a moment. Emotions took over at the finish line. There was no subtext in this action. We are sorry if someone differently perceived the situation. We offer our official apologies, said the head of the Russian Skating Union. They got a union. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at this same time over these same radio stations. And on whatever time you choose, if you're listening on the audio device of your choice. Like, a, like, like if it's a podcast. By the way, my wife and I have just spent the last three months on the greatest mattress. And it would just be like my wife and I not having slept on the greatest mattress for the last three months. If you'd agree to join with me, then would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh-huh. And leave my wife out of this. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk and to... Uh, Thomas Walsh here at WWNO and to Pam Halstead for all providing help with today's broadcast. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer.
The show comes to you from Sensory of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City. And happy Carnival. Thank you.